Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Glory to God. We're studying the subject of redemption. You can turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. I've purposely stayed in some teachings, some scriptures here that that uh, it really behooves us to spend some time in, and that is in what happened from the cross to the throne. In a portion of time upon the earth, three days and three nights, the entire spiritual structure of the universe changed. Uh, and where creation fell, redemption cannot fail. God built a fail-safe into redemption. You say, what is it? He put Himself in us. That's the failsafe. In in creation, they were uh, the man and the woman were the creation of God. We are the sons and daughters of God. Amen. Now they sinned, and that separated man. Now, as we study here tonight, we're going to go back, review a little bit of what we did last week, and then press on into this. The subject of, and it is an occurring theme throughout the letters to the church, the subject of death. Now. You use the word death in the, in the world system and most of the world is afraid of death, afraid to die. And the reason most of the world is afraid of death or afraid to die is because of the fear of punishment. And the fear of punishment is resident within the human family because of the original sin of Adam. And because of that, man is just naturally guilty. I've heard people tell me, I'm guilty and I don't even know what I'm guilty of. Well, that, that's inhumanity. Humanity is born with a with the potential of iniquity, and all, and when the and when the soul of an individual wakes up, that's what the apostle Paul tells us in the letters to the church. Said, "I was alive under God once, but then sin revived and I died," which shows us that you know infants and little babies and and those that don't know any better, they're innocent upon the earth. They die in that state of innocence. God receives them back into heaven. But there comes a point in time in which every one of us had to make a choice. And we're not prepared to make the right one. That's why you don't have to teach a child to be stingy or to steal or to curse. or they, It's just natural. The Bible says in Ephesians, we were all by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, in His great love, wherein He loved us, amen, even when we were dead in sins and trespasses, quickened us together with Christ. Now, looking at death or understanding it, before we move forward, understand what death means to the human experience. Now, you know, one of these plants die, it's just dead. <laughs> I mean, we'll throw it in the garbage. I mean, it's done, you know. I mean, there's a, uh, in the animal kingdom, now there is an element of the spirit in the animal kingdom, but it's not a spirit like a man has a spirit or a woman has a spirit upon the earth. Uh, animals have the ability to, uh, uh, to have a personality. Uh, many, most of them can be trained, uh, uh, can be conditioned. So there is an element of that to it. But in reality, they're dualistic. They're a body and a soul is what they are. But there is that spark of life that is in them. But now we're not dualistic. We're spirit, soul, and body. Man was created for spirit. Then God put it put him into a body. The Bible says God breathed into that body and, and Adam became a living soul. So we see man existing in three different realms. He exists in the realm of the mind, which is the soul realm, the mind, the emotions, the will. Then the realm of the flesh, which is the physical flesh. And then in the realm of the spirit. Amen. 
So all three realms are relevant to humanity. But the problem is the devil's tried to convince the whole universe that there's no such thing as the spirit realm. Amen. So death started way back in the garden in creation. And the reason death is relevant to us is because of the law of Genesis, which is every seed reproduces after its own kind. God told the, told the man and the woman in the garden, the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Everybody say die. Well, he was not telling them in that day you eat thereof, you're going to cease to exist he was telling them, upon the day you eat of the fruit thereof, a separation will take place. And that separation is so bad, the only way to call it or to describe it is this, death, spiritual death. Spiritual death is separation from God. And every person born on the planet, every person in the procreation genre of seed time and harvest is born onto the earth with that element of iniquity in them and when it revives, you die. You are dead. He said, well, I'm not dead. And yes, you are. You're dead. You're separated from God. There's no union of life. There is an existence upon the earth, but I want you to know there's no life. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life. Now, now that's most people, and I don't like maybe not most people, but a lot of people have lived their life on the earth until death ran its course. But thank God, in the midst of us living our lives, while death runs its course in our life, an interruption took place. A rescue took place. Somebody ought to be excited. You say, well, what was that? The gospel got to you in such a way that you were able to hear it. Not a religious message, but a message of a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then the understanding of how that happened or take, took place, which causes what? Faith to come. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. So the more you hear about Jesus, the more faith you have. Now listen to me. Not the more you you're taught on the subject of faith, because I've sat under the best, and they say the same thing. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. The more you know about Jesus, the more faith you have. Now we teach on faith so you understand the dynamics. That faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Y'all have taught that for years and years around this church. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. The primary way in which faith is released is through our confession by what we say. You must speak the word of God. Then as you speak the word of God, faith grows on the inside of you to the point that it comes in your life. You have to obey what you've been believing in your heart and confessing in your mouth. And then you act on the word of God and your faith becomes what? Living faith. James chapter 1. Amen? Everybody say living faith. So God wants us to know that this living faith that He has left on the earth, He has left it here for us to contact Jesus with. So the more we know about Him, the more faith we have, and the more Jesus has the ability to expose the goodness of the Father. The words that He speaks, the deeds that He does. Amen? So, spiritual death is separation from God. Now, if a person lives in that condition their entire life, 
and their body gets to the place because of sin. Not that they're an alcoholic, not that they're smoking four packs of cigarettes a day, but sin will run its course. Not that anybody has is, 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 is got some heinous sin in their life. It is the sin nature that runs its course and it causes the body to die. So if the physical body dies, which is what? Physical death is not the cessation of life, but the separation of the spirit of man from the body of man or the spirit of mankind from the body of mankind. Physical death. Your body doesn't function. The spark of life is gone. You, you don't inhale, exhale. Your heart does not beat. Your blood does whatever blood, I guess, coagulates and dries up. And you go into the, you go into the grave and you begin to deteriorate in the grave because of death. Now, if you died in that state of spiritual death, your physical body ceased to exist upon the earth because of deterioration. You die in that state, then you have to go to a place of eternal separation from God. Now, let me, let me just help you understand some things about God. Number one, God did not make a place for people to go called hell. You understand that? Hell was part of the judgment that came on the devil and his angels when he fell from heaven. It was never designed for man to go there. But when man took on the nature of his adversary, the devil, the Bible says hell expanded. One translation says yes, this, hell opened its mouth and yawned to take in the multitudes. So it never was the plan of God to send anybody to hell. It was the plan of God to redeem us. Amen. And hell was not given to the earth or hell was not placed uh, upon uh, mankind's eternal plight in order to control him through legalism. Hell was the punishment for a spiritual being who, who you tried to usurp God's authority in heaven itself and took a third of the other created beings with him. That's what hell is created for. But man goes there because of spiritual death. So we've got spiritual death, man separated from God. Then we've got physical death, the spirit of man separated from its body. Then we have eternal death, which is a place where people go in which they're eternally separated from God. Now let me just say this. If you think you're going to go to hell and party with Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix, that was my generation, and I hope neither one of them are in hell. I hope they're both in heaven. But you know, I've always heard these people, I'd rather, I'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven, all this kind of garbage. Let me tell you something, buddy. If you got one whiff of hell, you'd become so holy overnight we wouldn't know you. <laughs> Amen? It is a real place, and I guarantee you, everyone I ever saw that ever gave a testimony about hell did it with their eyes like this. Freaked them out. Amen. Uh, Brother Lester Summerall, he, he, God showed him a vision of hell. And he said, uh, he said he was standing like on a cliff and he was watching this waterfall and it was kind of this gray looking waterfall and it was going over this cliff and it was going into that lake of fire. And the Lord said, you need to draw near and look. And as he drew near and looked at it, it was people. It was people going over that precipice into hell. And God spoke to him and said, they do that every day and it's your fault. That's what God told him. He took him over into Ezekiel. Said, there is, "If you do not warn the evil in their ways and tell them of the fate that is to befall them, that their blood is upon your hands." And he took that as a mandate from God and preached the gospel in 143 countries. Amen. 
Well, I mean, one glimpse, one glimpse of that was enough to convince him that's real. Amen. So Jesus came, now listen to me, to give us life, to give us salvation, but he also came to give us death. You say, why? What is death when it comes to the human experience? It is separation. So we had some things that we were born into that we needed to die to. Our past, our sin nature. Come on, church. All of the negative, you, die, you need to die to sickness and disease, die to poverty and lack. Listen, that's why God put in the scripture in Galatians 2, excuse me, in, a, in, in 1 Corinthians 1.20, the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness. But unto us, it is the power of God. And the problem is a lot of believers don't understand that power. Listen, it works so beautifully for me. It's the reason I'm here right now is because the first place I started in this redemptive reality was at the death part. And when you understand the death part, then you walk right into the life part. Because anyone that understands the death will understand the resurrection. Now, quickly, how's, oh, I'm doing good. Uh, did I tell you? Luke chapter 23, I'm gonna read, it's okay if I just read here. This is such good stuff. You just need to hear it. Verse 1, the whole multitude of them arose. They led him unto Pilate, speaking of Jesus. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow, now notice, perverting the nation, forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that himself is Christ the King. Well, those are all three lies. You know that. Amen. Pilate asked him, saying, Aren't thou the king of the Jews? And he answered, he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Amen. He said, You said it, buddy. He said, then, now notice this, then said Pilate to the chief priest, to the people, I find no fault in this man. Mark that in your Bible. Keep that in mind. And notice, notice the response of the people to that. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning with Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked, whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him unto Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was excited, glad, excitedly glad, and desirous to see him of a long, for he was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracle by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod, now notice, with his men of war, set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. Now Herod, this is another layer of control in government. Now, now Pontius Pilate, he rules the garrison of Jerusalem. Jerusalem being the capital city. So he carries some rank. Herod is like a regional governor. So you got all these different layers. Now Herod is also, of, he's Jewish. Remember John the Baptist? It's the same guy that John the Baptist went to. That's why John the Baptist accused him because he had no right to be with his brother's wife. That's against the law, the Levitical law. Amen. But anyway, he was as corrupt as he could be. So was his wife, his wicked daughter. Uh, you know, just, just, just that entire family always was. So, so, so he's there and he, here comes Jesus and instead of doing the right thing, he does the same thing. He just, he just mocks him, scourges him, send him send, sends him back to Pilate. Now Pilate is stirred up about all this. He don't like this at all. He's not enjoying this drama. Now notice, it says in the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together for they, 
uh, for before they were at, in, at enmity between themselves. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people, said unto, him, said unto them, You have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people, and behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof, whereof ye accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. So he's saying, everywhere I send this guy, they're declaring him, declaring him innocent, innocent, innocent. Send him to Herod, innocent. I'm telling you for the second time, for the third time. He's innocent, innocent, innocent. And you say, well, what difference does that make? This is the most, this is the most just government that has ever been on the earth. This is a government with a court system. This is a government with judges. This is a government that likes to judge the people. And here is this mock trial, all of these lies and accusations. Herod, I mean, a, 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 a pilot can see right through it. He's not dumb. He's had to play the wicked game of Roman politics his whole life to get to where he is. You don't think he recognizes all that garbage for what it is? And he's fighting for this guy's life. But Jesus, they didn't take his life. He gave it up. He gave up his life. And one of the Gospels talks about how he told Pilate, he said, don't you know I could call in 10,000 legions of angels? It's almost a billion angels. Well, what do you think they could do to the earth? Amen. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, it, proved, it, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. You say, now wait a second, Pastor, I, I thought this was all a big scam. And no, this entire thing was a plan of God. This entire drama that's happening right here, it's the plan of God and it's literally a revelation of God's love for you. When God Himself stands in front of what was at that time upon that earth the most just government that had ever been on the earth and that government kept saying, He's innocent, He's innocent, He's innocent. There's nothing wrong with this man. There's nothing wrong with this man. This, then how does He get crucified? Because he laid down his life. Because he gave his life. For God so loved the world, he gave. This was the giving of God. And what you have to understand is that God is so precise in not only what he gives or what he allows others to give, he makes sure that the protocol is carried out exactly according to his dictates. The persons or the people who were offering Jesus to be crucified or killed were the Levitical priesthood who always slew the spotless lamb. Amen. God knows what He's doing. Now notice. It says, Nor yet Herod, for I sent you unto him. Nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man and release unto us Barabbas, who for sedition made upon the city or made in the city, and for murder was cast into prison, the just for the unjust. Pilate, therefore willing to release Jesus, spoke again. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. He said unto them the third time, Why? What evil hath he done? I found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were insistent with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. Pilate gave him the death sentence. 
the just for the unjust, the unrighteous, the righteous for the unrighteous. Now, I want you to go real quick. I've got just a, uh, about 10 minutes. Go to Romans, the book of Romans, chapter, chapter 5, and then we're going we're gonna to kind of get over into chapter 6 a little bit. Now, in taking these journeys back into the Gospels and then pulling up into the letters to the church, you have to understand, we're going from a portrait or a tapestry into an x-ray. We're seeing behind the scenes now. We're seeing in the spirit realm, not just the flesh, not, not, not just the passion of what was felt, what was witnessed, what was seen, but now what is accomplished in the realm of the spirit, what is actually taking place. The spirit of man separated from God. Dark, death, lifeless, nothing there. The Spirit of God, the very essence and the very source of life itself. The two had been separated some 4,000 years before by the sin of Adam, the man. Now it's time for God to redeem. He said, well, who came up with this plan? Well, I don't know. All I know is it worked. I know the Bible says that God, the Father, does all things after the counsel of His own will. But there's a lot we don't understand. But here's the thing. God gave us understanding to walk in those things in which we do not understand. Amen. I like what one preacher said. He said, you don't have to figure out the, how it is true. You just need to believe that it is true. And faith empowers you to do that. Amen. So here, now in Romans chapter 5, listen to this now, now. Verse 12, let's just begin there. I've got a couple of translations here. We'll just dig around in this for a few minutes and then we'll go home. This will bless you if you'll hear it. Now verse 12 says, Wherefore is by one man, everybody say one man, sin entered into the world and what? Now notice, just what we were talking about. Death, how did it come? By sin. By sin. The, the trespass produced, but notice this, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Now a lot of people say, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't, do, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't commit high treason against God like Adam did. Well, you didn't have to. Because in creation, God took man and put man on a reproductive machine. You say, what is a reproductive machine? It is something that reproduces. He gave a law into man called every seed reproduces after its own kind. And that the seed of man was in the loins of the man, amen, and the woman had the what? The womb. She was the incubator. She's the one that carried the, the, the basically the seed of man. Are you with me? Now, in that dynamic, somehow Satan understood that. And he understood that if he could get into God's creation and corrupt it, then instead of God's nature, it would be his nature. And because of the law of Genesis, every seed reproducing after its own kind, then all of humanity would just, just be pumped out, separated from God. Spiritually dead, so bad that God had to destroy the earth in Noah's day. Now, when we when we traveled a lot back then, uh, before the thumb drive and all the different things, we had cassette tapes, and we must have sold a mountain of them. Now, if we did a cassette, if we were at our home church, uh, the sound system and everything at the home church that we were attending at the time was of such that we got good quality, what you call master copies. But then I'd travel to, to other churches and, I, and I'd preach a message or something would happen and, and we'd want to reproduce that and the copying might not be so good, might not have the same quality. Well, many times we wouldn't find that out until the, qualities, uh, the, the, the copies begin to be reproduced after the master. 
And so we'd kind of follow back, you know, to the master to see where the flaw was. And every time the flaw was in the master, and you put it, we had these big uh, machines, you'd put the uh, master on there, then you'd do like four and it'd be connected to another four. Sometimes I think we could do up to 12 at a time. And it would, it would literally totally copy what was on the master. Flaw on the master, flaw on the copy. So what do you do? You can't fix up all the copies. You've got to go back and get your new master. So Adam became the master on the copy machine. And he's been pumping it out for 6,000 years. But then Jesus came that we might have what? Life. That there might be a new copy machine that we might place ourselves upon that we might reproduce after another seed. That's what salvation's all about. That's why salvation is so glorious. It's because you get off of, and that's why people talk about, well, you know, I've got divorce in my family and alcoholism in my family. And there's arthritis. No, it's not. You're not in that family anymore. We say, well, Pastor, I know what you're talking about. You know, I, I know, but in reality, you know, no, no, your problem is you're, you're literally looking at the wrong reality. I mean, it stops with redemption. It's not in your family any longer. It's not there. Now, if you dig it up with your soul or dig it up with your mind or dig it up with your flesh, it's going to be there because your mind and your flesh are trained by that iniquity that got into you through your first birth. It trained you how to sin. Remember those lessons? And you might wasn't called sow your wild oats. I've always said about sowing your wild oats, sowing season is fun. Sowing season is fun, but honey, harvest is horrible. Amen. And I've taught young people for years, I've taught them, hey, listen, man, if you'll make a decision to serve God when you're young and not make it a time in which you, quote, sow your wild oats, then when you get 35 and 40 and 45, you won't be an alcoholic. You won't be a, quote, recovering drug addict. You won't have gone through two or three marriages. And we'll say, I went through all of that. Well, praise God, you can get restored. You can get blessed and put back together. But thank God you don't have to go through that if you're young. Just serve God. You say, well, everybody else is having such a good time. Give them a few years. Just give them a few years. Amen. Let me get off on that. It's good anyway. Through one man's sin. Everybody say one man's sin. Now notice this. For until the law, sin was in the world, but not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned. Why? Because every seed reproduces after its own kind. From Adam to Moses, even those that had not sinned after the solitude are in the same way that Adam transgressed, who is the figure of him that was to come. But verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more, much more, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Now let me read it. Let me read it in this, in this. I love it in the Passion Bible. Let's do it in the Passion Bible. It says, When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin entered, in, sin entered, human, entered human experience, and death was the result. And so death followed this sin, casting its shadow over all of humanity, because all have sinned. Sin was in the world before Moses, before Moses gave the written law but it was not charged against them where no law existed. Yet death reigned as king from Adam to Moses, even though they had not broken a command the way Adam had. The first man, Adam, was a picture of Messiah who was now to come. Now, verse 15. 
Now there is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the gracious gift that we experience. For the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. It's true that many died because of one man's transgression, but how much greater will God's grace and His gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of what man, of one man, Jesus the Messiah, did for us? Now, this thing begins with death. Jesus steps into death with what? Our sin, our sickness, our disease, our depravity, our addictions, our oppression, our depression, everything wrong with you. He steps into the door of death. Then what does he do? He dies. Thank God he died with your sin, my sin, your sickness, my sickness, your addictions, my addictions, your depression, my depression, because when he died, he died. When he died, he died. Now, you got to get this tonight. A lot of people, I've taught this for years, and very few people say, oh, Now, listen to me. He died. What is death? Say it. He died. What is death? He died. What is death? He died. What is death? So when he died, he separated us. That would be enough. Just to separate you from your sin, your sickness, your... But then he what? But then he rose from the dead... And because you got born again, you are identified in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Therefore, what happened to you through the fall can't even be measured against what God has deposited to you through the new birth. See, that's, people, people are like, well, the only church all my life, I never heard that. We didn't go to the right church. <laughs> Amen. Listen, the devil don't want you knowing this. He does not want you to know this. You say, why? Because there is an absolution in this. You say, what do you mean? You are absolutely more than a conqueror. You say, why? Because it ain't your victory in the first place. It's his. It's not your death. It's his. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am what? Crucified with He said, I found a place to die to die to all of, the, all of the memories of all the people I tormented or the sound of Stephen crying out to God as they stoned him to death. I needed to die to that. I found a place to die. So here's where people are, well, I don't know. I'll tell you, could, could you pray for me? No. I can't pray for you. You say, why? You have to dig into this revelation, see yourself in Christ, See yourself in his death. You say, why? Because it separates you from everything. You say what? Everything you're willing to let go of. Everything you're willing to let go of. And sometimes we hang on to stuff we, we need to let go of. You say, well, how does, how does it fight? Now see, this whole redemptive thing, who you are, what you have, what you can do in Christ, and the dynamic of faith which causes it to operate. 
So people got in the ditch with confession. And they're out there confessing for Cadillacs and oil wells and all this kind of, And that has no relevance to life whatsoever. Because confession means to what? Say the same thing as or to come into symphony and agreement. So you've got to take these scriptures that have to do with redemption and you have to believe them in your heart and confess them with your mouth or they lay on the page instead of getting into your life. So when you make a decision, you know, I think I'm going to do what Brother Rusty said. I'm going to get into those redemptive scriptures. I'm going to get in and write all the in Christ, who I am, what I have, what I can do, and I'm going to start saying them every day. Thank you, Father, I'm crucified with him. Thank you that I'm buried with him by baptism into his death. Thank you that I might rise in newness of life. I mean, when you begin to speak it and speak it, you release the power of it, and the power of it works in your life to separate you from everything wrong with your first birth so you can live in the joy of the new birth. Devil don't want you living like that. But see, here's the deal. When you start figuring out who you are in Christ, devil doesn't intimidate you anymore. You don't fight a defensive battle trying to recover yourself from what you self-inflict yourself with. You say, what do you do? You get on the cutting edge of what God's doing and you press in. You become a threat to the devil. You say, well, uh, uh, he'll attack you. He'll do this. Yeah, but he's defeated. When you begin to learn who you really are. You know, there was a, a missionary that came to our, our church at, uh, up at Lakewood when I was in Bible school who was a missionary to the, to the uh, what are they, the guys in Alaska? The Eskimos, the, uh, the Alaskan Eskimos. And so he was up there ministering to them. They, they had successful missions work up there. And a man uh, had gotten saved who he had been in a, in, a, in a family of Eskimos for many years and they were known as the witch doctors or as the, or as the medicine men you know, where they would go for different things, but they'd put spells on other people and stuff like that. So this guy's, this guy's father trained him and brought him into that, to that, you know, wicked thing they were doing. And he said they would literally, uh, 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 what do you call when you leave your body, some kind of uh, astro projection, all this kind of stuff. And he said they would do that. And he said they would go places and they'd see these houses and the light would just be streaming out the window. And he said to his father one time, what's that? He said, don't even look over there. He says, what do you mean don't even look? He says, those people are spirit-filled Christians. He said, that's what his dad said. They are spirit-filled Christians. You can't do anything to curse them. There's nothing you can do against those people. Stay away. Don't even look over there at that light. Well, he got to look at it at that light. <laughs> ended up getting saved. Ended up getting born again. Because he figured out and realized that the power of darkness ain't got nothing over the power of light. Amen. So as Jesus begins to proceed toward this suffering, the Bible calls it His passion. He is making acclamation of everything that's wrong with us so that He can die. So that He can die. And then next week we'll take it to the next level, look a little more behind the scenes and see where He not only took our death, He took our punishment. Because if He didn't take our punishment, then you're going to have to take it. But thank God Jesus took it so that you don't have to. And I tell you, it's going to be eternity. Our worship will get stronger and our praise will get stronger when we realize what God actually redeemed us from. The Bible says that even heaven itself was marred and had to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But thank God that He's rescued us. The Bible says that call goes out. It's like a, it's like a huge net. The call of the gospel goes out. Many are called. Many are called. The call goes out. The call goes out but few are chosen. And I don't think the chosen part, that word chosen, doesn't have nothing to do with God. That's to do with the people that choose the call. If you choose what that call is and what it is in its fullness, then I guarantee you, 
God is going to wake you up in your spirit and in your heart. You're going to grow into these things as you do. You're going to see yourself as more than a conqueror. You're going to see Jesus as greater as he that's in you than he that's in the earth. And listen, it, do, it frees you from so much agitation, irritation. I mean, you know, I just, even now, just I just really don't care. People get all upset. You don't care. No, I don't. The Bible says if I do, I'm in sin. See? It says cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Well, I go to church, pastor, don't even care. <laughs> Amen? See, people have to learn to tune their ear to redemptive values and then you'll hear, you'll, you'll hear, you'll hear the redemptive reverberation through all the scriptures. Man, how, why was I ever afraid? Why did I ever think my prayers couldn't be answered? Why did I ever doubt God? And as I've learned, especially the past few years, why do, I ever, why do you ever doubt His timing? Why do, why do you ever doubt, you know, well, if he, he didn't do it yesterday, so I guess we're all going to die. No. No. God is more than able. God is more than able. Amen? Lift your hands up and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. We thank you, Father, that there's no way to measure the greatness of the gift. And no matter what effect sin had upon our lives, physically, mentally, in our soul, we thank you the blood of Jesus and the cross of Jesus breaks the power of Satan over our lives. Thank you, Father, that everything you wanted to do in me, you did in Christ. You accomplished it in him. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm risen with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. His death was my death. His burial, my burial. His resurrection, my resurrection. And today I'm seated with Him at the right hand of the Father. Thank you, Lord God. Risen with Him and seated in heavenly places. Help us to keep our eyes on things that are above, not things below. To press into the things of God. To walk hand in hand with Jesus. Thank you for our protection and safety. We declare Psalms 91 a revelation Hallelujah. And an illumination unto the church. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh us. Angels have charge over us. Thank you in our travels, the righteous labor of our hands, all we do everywhere we go. Thank you that we're surrounded by the angelic realm, kept by the word of God, walking in its power, walking in its life, free from the enemy, free from that which he desires to do, free from his tactics. When the enemy comes, he'll find no place in us. <laughs> no place in us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for inspiring our hearts, stirring our spirit, man, on the inside. Help us to contend for that which you desire and see coming to be, coming to manifestation, that which is our destiny. As we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love toward you. We walk in love toward one another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be, thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. Covered by the blood, powered by the word, anointed by the Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.